So has anybody ever read um, The Divine Comedy by Dante? Like from the Inferno to Purgatory? No, really? No one? Parts? Parts don't count. No one's... Wow. How sad. Does anybody know what I'm talking about when I say that? Yeah? Yeah? <laughs> well, Sue, who, Pat read it? Right, right through. My man. Somebody read it. It's, it's probably one of my favorite reads. I really think that with, with the technology we have now for making movies, they need to make that into a movie. Not, there's, I know there's animated, you know, cartoony stuff out there, but just think of, like, the Inferno, like, in 3D. Huh? huh? I digress. Anyway, so, um, in, in, in as Dante and Virgil, as they're leaving hell, they, they enter into purgatory. Now, purgatory is the belief through some um, faith traditions that's the place that if you don't go to hell, you still have to do penance for your sin before you get to heaven, so you have to go to purgatory. And you can stay there for thousands of years, so the belief is kind of doing this penance. Now, we as a church, we don't believe in purgatory uh, because I don't see it in the scripture. Uh, be, it, what it says is that the cross in Christ wasn't enough. Now you have to make up for what Jesus did not accomplish on the cross. And he has, he has forgiven all your sin 100%. So we don't, we don't adhere to it. But in Dante's tradition, he comes upon, and in this story, in the poem actually, he comes upon purgatory. And there's the seven cornices. And then they kind of, they wrap around. And that's in this place is where you start to do penance for the, for the seven sins that kind of keep you out of rhythm with God. In the first cornice, cor, cornice cor, how do you say it? Cor, the first circle that they do um, is, where you, is where pride is paid for, the sin of pride. And the people, the, the spirits, they, they kind of bend very low, maybe on their hands and knees. And on their backs, they have a very heavy weight. And the idea is for thousands of years, they crawl around and they recite the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. This is what Dante writes. Now, again, I, I believe his theology is way off, um, but I really like what he's done painting that picture, how pride is paid for in his mindset. Because when you think and you listen and you recite the words to the Lord's Prayer, to the Our Father, it really does teach us humility. It takes the focus off us and puts it on God. Right? How's, how's it start? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right? Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. There's this proclamation of God. We want things to be done according to your will on earth as it is in heaven. And then we ask, give us today what we need. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us as we forgive those. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. It really takes the ball out of our hands and says, God, we can't do this by ourselves. We can't do this on our own. Will you please step in and handle it? So it really is a prayer of humility, recognizing who God is and who we are not. The words that Jesus speaks in this week's text point us in the same direction. That it's about God. It's all about God and not about us. 
And Jesus, in fact, he gets even more specific. And he talks about, and we're going to get into it a little bit more, obviously. But he says, if you treasure God more than anything or anybody, especially money. If you treasure God more than anything, the result will be that you will trust God to provide for you the things that you need. Jesus said that where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. If I can kind of switch it a little bit, where your treasure is, that's where you place your trust. And so we're going to look into the words of Jesus, red letters out of Matthew chapter 6. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount. And this is how it reads. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus breaks out and he gives us a to-do and a to-don't. A command to follow and a command not to do something. Don't store, for, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where critters destroy, thieves break in. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now, for anybody that's been kicking around church for any amount of time, we kind of read these words. And the problem with familiarity in the scripture for the Christian, there's a real danger in it because we begin to gloss over the words. We begin to, to lose the ability to see them fresh and new, and we forget that we should be asking questions. No matter how many times you've read the same passage in the scripture, you should always challenge yourself to look for something and to ask a question. And so I just kind of took a hold of this and said, all right, let me ask myself a question. What are the treasures on earth that I shouldn't be storing up for myself? Like when, and, and from the Western perspective, when I think of treasure, I think of those big ticket items, right? I think of treasure. Like I look in my house and I don't have any treasure. I mean, according to maybe Western, what did you say? The iPhone hey, No, that's not treasure. That's a need, okay? Leave the iPhone 10 alone. Everyone needs the... Uh, do I need to preach on the iPhone 10? <laughs> See, now we're, okay. Have anybody ever read Dante's Divine? Okay. So I think of these big ticket items. I think of, you know, the, the big houses and the big cars and, and the, you know, the Rolex and, and all of these big type of things that I don't have because to me they would seem like treasure. But when you read the scripture, you have to read it in the context of what comes before it, what comes after it, and, and really do due diligence to understand it. In verse 25, which we're going to get to in a little bit, there's this word that says, therefore. And so Jesus, he speaks this, and then the beginning of verse 25, he says, therefore. And so he's connecting what's going to come with what he has just talked about. 
And the only thing that he describes in verses 25 through 34, 35 is food, what you will drink, and the clothes that you wear. There's nothing about indulgences. There's nothing about the lap of luxury. There's nothing about excess. And so, can we ever consider, do we consider our basic necessities treasure? I believe that's what Jesus is getting at. It's definitely what money can buy. But is he talking about, I believe he's talking about the things that we need to live, the things that we need iPhone 10, to live every day in our lives. And then he begins to kind of drill down a little bit because he wants to, he wants to kind of challenge us and, and ask us, um, where is, where is your heart? Where is your treasure? Now, he doesn't, Jesus knows that we're going to have stuff. The whole Bible knows that we have things, that we need things. In fact, even the Ten Commandments recognize that people own things. Do not covet your neighbor's things, okay? That means you have somebody who's living next to you or somebody that you know, they have stuff. And what the scripture says is don't want their stuff really bad. But if you have a neighbor, that means you are a neighbor and you probably have stuff too. Jesus is not being anti-stuff. He's not being anti-work, like you're just supposed to sit around all day and let God fill up the refrigerator, turn on the lights, make sure the oil's filled by some miraculous thing. He's not embracing laziness. He's not anti-saving. He's not anti-investment. He's not even anti-enjoyment. Jesus is, he's going, he's keeping in line with with what the scripture teaches, Remember we looked in Ecclesiastes, it said that, that uh, the teacher encouraged us, encouraged, uh, oh man, I can't talk. The teacher encouraged us to enjoy the fruit of our labor, to joy, enjoy the work of our hands. And so this is not just about us being lazy, we shouldn't do anything. Don't store up for yourselves with anything. Don't be, it, that's not what Jesus is getting at. What he is getting at is... Wow, man, I just skipped everything. What he's getting at is don't worry about things. Instead, we need to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. So I got to ask myself, well, what's treasure in heaven? So there's treasure on earth. He knows we're going to have stuff, but what is treasure in heaven? I think and I believe the simple perspective of this whole story is this. Do you have the things you have because you have money? Or do you have the things you have because God has given them to you? See, here's how this is going to play itself out. Is God the most important thing to you? Or is getting the stuff that you believe you need the most important thing to you? is getting food and getting clothes and getting a new car. And believe me, I'm not talking that you shouldn't have a safe car. You should. But are getting those things and worrying about getting those things more important than focusing on God, understanding that God will give you the things that you need. I believe what this is starting to get at is that we don't submit ourselves to money. We have money submit itself to us. 
the things that we can get submits themselves to us. He says in verse 24 that we can't, we can't serve both God and money, which is very true. And so what's the priority in our life? Where is our treasure? Is it in God? Or is it in stuff? He talks about the lamp or the eye being a lamp. He wants us to understand or he wants us to think about in our brains. How do you see this? How do you view this? What's your understanding of this? If your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body is full of darkness. How do you see the world? Do you see the things that you need, the most important part of your life? Or do you see God as the most important part of your life? God will give us the things that we need. We can't serve both God and money. But here's the truth in the matter, okay? We can't serve God and money, I understand that. But we can serve God with our money. I think and I believe that the point of this verse and, and what, the, what Jesus is getting at is that we begin to think about how we can love others with the things that we have, with the things that we get. There's a story in Matthew 19 about a rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus. He says, Jesus, how do I inherit eternal life? Eternal life. And Jesus says, well, listen, this is what I want you to do. I want, I want you to follow the commandments. He says, I follow the commandments. He says, what else? What am I missing? Jesus tells him, well, you should sell your stuff and give to the poor and then come follow me and then you will have treasure in heaven. And so when we think about this treasure in heaven, to be rich towards God is to be rich towards other people. To be rich towards God is that we give to those who are in need. We want to help those who are less fortunate and don't have as much as we do. Are we storing up treasures on earth where moth and vermin can destroy all the things that we need? Or are we looking to use the things that we have to honor God by giving them away? And so the beginning of these few verses, Jesus is talking about treasure. And he's talking about our eyes and how we see this. Do we see our stuff as the most important thing? And I mean stuff by the food that you eat, the clothes that you wear, and, and water. Is that the most important thing? Are you worried about getting those? Or are you storing up treasure in heaven by saying, I'm going to hold on to those loosely and just give away what God has given me? And so he's talking about treasure, but then he's going to go into this idea of, of trust in verses 25 through 34. Therefore, there it is, therefore, he's connecting what has come before with what he's about to say now. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? You do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. That is how God clothes the, gra clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? 
or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Therefore, don't store up treasure on earth, store up treasure in heaven. You can't serve God and money. Therefore, don't be stressed out about life. Don't worry about the things that you need. Jesus is connecting treasure with trust. Now, I would venture to say that most of us trust God. But yet, there's always, at points in our life, this underlying anxiety about things that are coming. Or things that we're fearful about. Now, I need to clarify something. And I want, I want, I want to speak very seriously just for a few minutes. Because um, we're going to talk about being anxious. We're going to talk about anxiety. We're going to talk about worry. And what Jesus is teaching through this. Some people suffer from anxiety and worry. And it causes a chemical imbalance in their bodies. And they have to take medication to help kind of level things out. If that's you, listen to me now. If that's you, you do not get to stop taking your medication because Dennis talked about trusting God for the things that you have. You see, God can work through you taking your medicine and bringing you to a place of trusting him even more. If you believe that God has miraculously healed you, then take the time to talk to your healthcare professional, your counselor, your psychologist, your psychiatrist, your doctor, whatever it is. You don't get to just stop taking medication. And you don't think for one minute that you lack faith because you do. It's just not true. It's a physiological Thing that's taking place in many people and they need to treat it with the medicine. There's no shame in that. It's not about a lack of faith. We, am I clear? You don't get to stop taking the medicine unless the Lord speaks to you and you speak to your doctor. So in saying that, there are still those who will walk through life anxious, worried about the every day, about their job, about if they're going to have their job. Uh, is there enough money in the bank? Will I be able to pay the bills? Will I be able to pay the mortgage? My retirement isn't making enough money. Uh, my 401k is tanking. Those worries kind of grab a hold of us, and they can really begin to mess with us. If you are living for Christ, if you are living for God, if you are honestly, to the best of your ability, not in perfection, but in conviction, if you are storing up treasure in heaven by loving people with the things that you have, then you don't have to worry about your life. You don't have to worry about the things that you're going to eat. If will you have enough food? Will you have heat? Will you have uh, clothes to wear? You don't have to worry because God knows that you need those things. And he will supply them for you. Everything that Jesus teaches is consistently um, kept on a level playing field with the scripture. Again, he's not anti-work, anti-savings, anti-investments. He understands that we, we have things. But what he is saying is, don't worry that God doesn't see what's happening in your life. Because he does. 
Don't worry that God doesn't care what's going on in your life. Because he does. Don't worry and ask if God is going to provide the things that I need for my family. Because he will. It's his promise. It's the word of God. I, I, I see this, this general anxiety. And, and again, please understand. I'm talking about those of us who, who don't take medication, who don't have that chemical imbalance, that don't have the physiological effect of worry, depression, or anxiety. But those who just kind of wake up and go, ugh, and are worried about it. That, that type of anxiety, that type of worry, it just, it's just unproductive. Look at verse 27. It says, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? The, the, the health and wellness field is huge these days. Like, like, you don't even have to exercise to exercise anymore. They've made it that easy. And there's all these supplements, and, and I, I take vitamins, and I take some supplements. But, but, I, but sometimes I wonder that if you can just find the right combination, you just might be able to live forever with, with what they, they proclaim. So there's all this exercise, and, and eat well, and eat this, and that diet, and this diet, and this machine, and this gym with the no grunt zone, and all of these things. And, and there's always these ways to make you healthier and healthier and healthier. Now, in, in none of that literature, in none of those commercials, in none of those advertisements, have I ever seen anyone say, you know, when you get up in the morning, start your day by stressing yourself out. It'll just make the day go much better. It might add years to your life. In fact, the opposite is true. Those things take away life. Amen, brother. We don't have to worry about the things that God has promised he is going to give us. We can trust him. And it, and it, it would seem to me that in those moments our worry is really, it's, it's unnecessary. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. How much more valuable are you than they are? Can any of you worrying at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. That means they don't sew their clothes. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. That is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you? You, you have little faith, so don't worry. Saying, what will, we, what will we eat? What shall we drink? What shall I wear? For the pagans, the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. It's kind of going from the greater to, or from the lesser to the greater. Look at all of the lesser things in God's creation that he takes care of. Look at the birds. You don't see birds worry about where their next meal is coming from. You don't see the squirrel sitting there with his, with his head in his hands worried about where the next acorn is going to be found. Flowers don't worry if they're going to have flowers, if they're going to be pretty, if they're going to be clothed in all their grandeur. 
If God provides for these lesser things in creation, how much more will he provide for you, the one that he sent his son to the cross to die for? Now, I understand that this could be a challenge for some people. I find it challenging for me at times. I'll be honest. I get that, you know, the cost of living is going up and up and up all the time. And maybe your salary hasn't gone up at all. I get it. There are times in my life where I have to be deliberate in thinking and and thanking God for what he has given me and and verbalizing my trust in him. Because sometimes it just doesn't come easy. And maybe that's a good starting point for us all, that we verbalize, we say it out loud, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm doing the best I can. I'm loving those around me the best I can. And I'm going to trust you with this kitchen table filled with bills. And watch how he will work. He has done so for my family in amazing ways through the generosity of other people. It's both amazing and it's both very humbling to watch God move through others to provide for my family. I really believe that there is not, well, there is very few churches across America that have financial problems. There are very few churches that are financially, um, that they have a financial problem. What I believe is rampant in the church is a, is a trust problem, is a heart problem. We don't trust God. And it's probably why that over 80% of all Christians in America give 2% or less of their income to the things of God. We don't trust. So it's not a financial problem. We have, we have a heart problem that's rampant. Because if Christians tithed and the church tithed, we can end things like hunger. End them. We can end things like uh, the world without clean drinking water. End it. Not just patch it, not just put a, you know, you know, help it along. We could end it. But do we trust? We don't have money issues. We have heart issues. Jesus knew what it was like to trust God. He had no source of income. The scripture says he, he doesn't even have a place to lay his head. He was homeless for the most part. There's no place where it, that, that it talks about things that he had. I feel bad for Jesus. He didn't even have the opportunity to have an iPhone 10. It's not funny. And yet he trusted him from his beginnings, being born in a stable, trusted him throughout his life to the cross where he would pay for our sin. He trusted God with his life to make right what we made wrong. And I'm wondering, do we really trust God in that way with everything? Because ultimately, worry, it's, it's, not even worth, it's not even worth our time. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes. Verse 25, the second half of it. Jesus is asking, isn't, 
Isn't life more than just the amenities that we can get? I mean, if you ask people in church, if, even if you ask people outside of church, is life worth more than just food and clothes and, and you know, stuff? The majority of the people would say absolutely yes. But are we living that way? Do we really believe that by the way we are living? We can ask ourselves this. We can search ourselves. Ask God to search us. Are we living in a way that shows that we trust God? You know, if you look through magazines, um, they're, they're, they're filled with advertisements for all the things that you deserve. All the, the different foods and the cars and the clothes and the vacations and the cruises and all these things that you all deserve. This is what you need. You should have these. But life is so much more than that stuff. And so as I was scratching my head going, okay, well, what's the more? If, life, if, if Jesus said life is not life more, well, what is, what is the more? And I had to fast forward through a few verses and come to verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. There's the more. The more is God's kingdom. Isn't, isn't the kingdom of God worth more than just the amenities of life that you can get? And isn't, it, isn't the righteousness of God worth more than all the amenities that you can get in life? And the righteousness of God is Jesus Christ. And by faith in Jesus Christ, you now are the righteousness of God. You, me, the righteousness of God. Ah. Life is much more than just the things that we can get. So don't worry about what money can buy. Don't worry about the things that you need and you might not know or how you're going to get them next week, next month, next year. Instead, focus on God's kingdom. Instead, focus on Jesus. Because here's the reality. Everything that you own, everything that you own, Everything that you have owned, everything that you do own, everything that you're going to own in the future will one day not be yours anymore. You will have to give it away. It will be taken away. It will end up, some, some of it will end up in a landfill somewhere. It will not be yours. You literally cannot take anything with you when you go. Everything will no longer be in your possession. The only thing that's going to follow us in eternity is either our sin or our righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the only thing that follows us. Either our sin or our righteousness by faith in Christ. The only place we will end up living in eternity is either separated from God, we call that hell, or in his kingdom, Revelation 21, 22. That's it. That's it. Everything else goes away, fades away, falls apart, gets ruined, gets sold. Or we just leave it behind when the Lord calls us home. Money, stuff, makes a horrible God. A horrible God. So seek first his kingdom. That's the more of life. Live for things that matter. Things that are eternal. That's the thing that lasts forever. We all have one life to live. 
it will come to an end one day. It's just the way things are. And so as we begin 2018, January, it's a good time to start and ask, how am I living my life? What's my focus? Am I storing up treasure on earth? Am I focused on storing up treasure in heaven? Will I worry or will I trust? Where your treasure is, that's where your trust will be. What what are the areas of my life I need to submit to God and let him come in and make level those places where I have wrecked havoc? It's a great time to start, January 7, 2018. We've got a bunch more days ahead of us. Father, we thank you for your word and the, the joy of it ministering to our heart. Now may your truths sink deep, not in condemnation, but just in conviction, that it would free us to live the life that Jesus came to give us, the life of abundance and joy and passion, fervor, grace, mercy, love. And may we give away the gifts that you freely give us. Thank you for your love. Thank you that, as it was uh, shared this morning, we don't have to earn it. It's there. Pour it out. Thank you for the mercies that when I woke up this morning were new. And tomorrow they'll be new. Thank you for Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. I will see you next week.